0: Who is this?
1: This is Doug Jones. Who's this? Well, hello. How are you, Lane?
0: Are you calling me from the internet?
1: I am calling from the internet. <laughs> Where are you answering me from?
0: Uh, Meat Space. The opposite of the internet. <laughs> I'm really sorry that I couldn't make it into the shed again this week. We uh, to do another bite-sized.
1: That's okay. I'm glad just to have you on the phone. Don't ever leave me alone again.
0: <laughs> um... But I missed the shed terribly, and I've heard from some of our fans that um, people want to see pictures of the inside of the shed.
1: I could do that. I've got that technology. The
0: fans demand it.
1: <laughs> the fans.
0: Maybe up on uh, on Facebook or something.
1: Yeah, I could do that. I could nice. totally do that. So we're we're recording. I decided to dive right into it. Oh, I assumed. Yeah. Okay. Good. I just didn't want to pop That's any why surprises the magic song. on. You. That's why I'm.
0: That's why I'm using
1: the magic. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, our third official bite-size mini yeah. episode of Call and Response, a podcast about movies between conversations between myself and Lane there. Two
0: good uh, friends talking about two good movies.
1: Yeah. Normally, one of us would choose the first film we'd discuss – but on these occasions when we're not able to actually get together or one of us is super busy or this or that, we go by the American box office for the weekend. Whatever the reigns supreme. Spoken. And they have they have indeed spoken. As we're recording this, the number one film at the box office is X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, we're recording this on Memorial Day, so the weekend box office gross is not completely tallied yet. But they're estimating yeah. it's going to take... $111 million domestically.
0: Yeah, I think it's a safe bet that um, X-Men uh, Days of Future Past or DofP as I like to call it, is going to win the weekend.
1: Yeah, I don't think Blended is going to rally on the last day. No, No. I don't think so either. Now, I'm sure there's very small chance that you have, but have you seen X-Men Days of Future Past yet? You know, I haven't, and I really want to actually, because I kind of like the other X-Men movies. I mean, you know, the
0: first one came out, what, just 14 years ago, so uh, I was a much younger man. But I enjoyed them, and I enjoyed the last one, the first class. Um, and I love time travel, too. It's like my favorite thing. Have you, you haven't seen the have you?
1: I, I have. I went yesterday morning to see it. What? I did. You got the jump on me. I've enjoyed a lot of the X-Men movies. I remember walking into the first X-Men movie, with very low expectations because I am not a Brian Singer fan. I do not yeah. care for the usual suspects, you know. So I went in very, uh, you know, hoping for the best but, but expecting the worst. And I actually really enjoyed the first X-Men movie and, even, and the second one, the sequel, I thought was really good. Things went a bit off the rails yep. with X-Men 3. Uh, uh, yeah, the terrible Brett Ratner one. Yep. And then you know, and that's sort of
0: one of the reasons why I'm excited to see this one because with the time travel element, they can sort of they write out all the Brett
1: Ratner stuff. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do just kind of eliminate it from. They're like, all right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. I remember also having high hopes for
0: the first X Men film. No, no, not having high hopes and being pleasantly surprised because I remember being like a little kid into X Men comics and all these sort of like dream casting like. Well, who would be the best Professor X and who would be the best Wolverine and uh, you know when I'm young coming up as like John Stamos would be a great Wolverine or just terrible <laughs> ideas like that and uh, and then I I came out of it you know it was really I mean the whole thing with Rogue I thought was handled really well that was a real nice introduction into the, the nature of how these powers can be a curse and a blessing and uh, yeah I thought it was like I was, I was driving
1: home I was like that was really a lot better than I thought it was going to be yeah exactly although now when you were reading the X-Men comics Were you reading Were you going back and reading the Chris Claremont ones Or were you like You were reading around the era of X-Force and X-Factor And all those spin-offs i am sort I Yeah, growing up I'd read all the eras I'd read, you know The um, the
0: 60s Stan Lee And the, uh, the Chris Claremont And up to the, the I mean, not like I've read every single X-Men comic But they're pretty much my favorite sort of comic brand growing up as a little as a younger gentleman and so yeah I'd read a shit ton of X-Men comics
1: yeah I actually I need to go back I went I checked I wanted to go back and read Days of Future Past before and now after seeing the movie but I actually don't have it in my collection and it's not in the Los Angeles Public Library system so I may have to to run to the comic book store just to freshen up I remember a fair amount of it I, what i'm really curious about is you know obviously the big difference for the comic book nerds is in the film they send wolverine back in time and in the comic right. book it's kitty pride right so i just i want to go back and see what else they mucked around with <laughs> that feels that feels like a studio note you know what i mean well Why not i mean send that
0: wolverine he's the he's the number 1
1: he's the number 1 he's the, the one who's already gotten two of his own movies
0: yeah. I I haven't seen those actually. I don't know if those are any good.
1: The the f- Wolverine Origins or Origins or Wolverine or whatever they were calling it is terrible. Yeah. That's what I've heard. It's and it's shockingly terrible in ways you wouldn't expect a big studio movie to be terrible. Like, you know, they yeah. can misfire, they can misjudge, they can just do things that are wrong. But Wolverine Origins, there are things like the special effects like his his claws at various points just don't look like they were they were finished with the special effects yet. There's there's uh, moments where you swear you, you could swear that you see the claws just sort of like floating near his hands but not necessarily connected to his hand. <laughs> the Wolverine so how is the future I was yeah. I got to say I a lot of people I had heard some good things from various people just around and about I went in. I wouldn't say it was bad, but it it didn't really do anything for me. It kind of left me a yeah. little, just sitting there going, "Yeah, okay." I'm, and I couldn't really tell you exactly what it was. So much of this new movie focuses around uh, Raven slash Mystique's inner struggle to find her own kind of peace with the humans versus mutants story. That it just felt like part of that had been built up simply because Jennifer Lawrence had become such a big star since she originally now, put, took yeah. on the role. And yeah, I, was just like, I, I just wasn't, that. I wasn't buying into her conflict as much as, I mean, there's some stuff with Magneto and Professor X, but for most of this movie, they're, you know, they're working towards a common goal, even if it's a little bit, if, even if their relationship is a little rocky. So it just, it didn't really thrill me that much. I didn't think it was that exciting. I didn't think the fights were all that... Great. There's one really good sequence with uh, Quicksilver, who's just kind of popped right. into the movie, almost as if they wanted to, almost as if Fox just wanted to say, Well, we own these characters too, even though you're going to see them again in another movie. We can do Quicksilver right. as well. But, Which, it's, but it's a nice very good scene. chance that's the reason why. Yeah. yeah you know, it <laughs> and it was odd. Like, even as I was watching the film and I was thinking about this being the number one box office and what it would inspire me to go out and, and talk about on this show i was like this film's just not really inspiring anything in me yeah uh oh, i don't i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to throw a wet blanket over your eventually seeing it uh yeah, yeah yeah like i said a lot of people have been enjoying it i heard i heard from various people both comic book fans and then just movie you know moviegoers everyone regulars. seems to in, regulars as we like to call them <laughs> everyone seems to like it, but it just didn't quite, it didn't thrill me. Like, I, I got a much more well, visceral thrill out of Godzilla last weekend. Like, even yeah, though I, I have I have complaints about Godzilla, there were moments in that movie that I was like, you know, rocking in my seat and clapping my hands, or, you know, just really enjoying it, really being into it. With the X-One right. movie, I was just never really into it. Yeah.
0: Well, I think since you're the only one of the two of us who actually saw the movie, you should probably get the first right of uh, responsible. Is that a real word? Is that a phrase?
1: Responsil?
0: You should be the one who responds first. <laughs> well, my... Even though you just said that it was sort of a hard film to come up with a response to, but um, well, I think that's your right. I,
1: and because of that, I went really with the easiest route. I mean, I was hoping there would be some little special spark or something that would send me off on some flight of fancy. But... I ended up just kind of thinking through some time travel movies. Okay. And because there, you know, that's a that's a big part of science fiction films. There's a lot of time travel movies, and a lot of movies that I like a lot. Uh, the one I decided I'd actually bring up for conversation is, I think, a little bit lesser known, a little bit. You know, I was thinking, you know, Twelve Monkeys. Sure. I I went. I was uh-huh. thinking about Peggy Sue Got Married. But eventually I decided to bring up to you Happy Accidents. Oh yeah. You remember this from 2000 year 2000.
0: Yeah, Marissa Tomei and um, and Law and Order,
1: what's his name? Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. It was one of the early films from Brad Anderson who I feel like now is thought of as a kind of a genre director because of Session 9 and The Machinist and Yeah. Well, yeah. Was Trans-Siberian but his early... Yeah, 9 is great. Yeah. Yeah. But his early two films were kind of Sundance romantic comedies in a way. Yeah. His first one was Next Stop Wonderland. And then and then Happy right. Accidents was his second film. And, it and stars... Next Stop Wonderland
0: doesn't have any genre elements in it, right?
1: No, not really. But it's it's one of those sort of... It doesn't, but it flows very naturally into sort of happy accidents and even some of the things I was thinking about like when we were talking about Run Lola Run because Next Stop Wonderland is a film about two people who and I forget exactly how they set it up but like two people who seem destined to be together they're perfect for each other yet they never right. they keep missing each other they never meet oh yeah so there's there's a certain sort so, of, sort magical... of the, like fate and
0: yeah the yeah. nature of, of of free will and destiny and that sort of thing yeah
1: exactly and then Happy Accidents um, is set in New York. Marissa Tomei is a young woman who seems to have one bad relationship after another. She's very much a um, a nurturing figure. She likes to go out and find broken men and try and fix them and then is wonder- then can't figure out why the relationships don't work out. And yeah. uh, one day, I think while she's at the park, she meets uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Who is a You know, they're sitting on the same park bench. Vincent D'Onofrio is sketching in a sketchbook, and they strike up a conversation. And their relationship kind of builds from there. He seems they're a little, they have a meat cute. They have, they have, yes. He seems relatively normal from what her past relationships have been, until the point where they've gotten pretty established as boyfriend girlfriend. He decides to reveal to her. That he is a time traveler from the year 2470.
0: You see, when I say my Dubuque, I don't mean the present Dubuque, which is your Dubuque. I mean the future Dubuque, which is where I'm from. The future. Okay. Or at least forward on the time space continuum, which is how your scientific establishment would understand it. It it's called back travel. And that's what I meant about who I am. Back traveler, Ruby. Ruby, I know it's hard to understand. And, and that's why it was hard to tell you because I knew you'd be. Real upset. <laughs> Future Ruby. I'm from the year 2470. I was born on May 8, 2439, in Dubuque, Iowa, on the Atlantic coast. What? That's right, the Atlantic coast. We moved in a little bit after the ice caps melted in 2330.
1: Then, I think after talking to her mom, maybe? She decides, well, look, if he thinks he's a time traveler, that's just one bad characteristic, but he's got all these other good things going for him, so maybe we can make this work out. So she sort of plays along. And, you know, he tells her various stories about the world of the future, where I think most people are clones. Religion is gone; has been pretty much looked at as a quaint custom of the past. Uh, his yeah. His parents are somewhat seen as Luddites because they still reproduce physically as opposed to clone Ali. Uh-huh. And she just says, okay, this is all fine. That's a cute story about the future, but could you just... Could you wash the dishes, please? <laughs> Eventually it gets in a little bit deeper. She starts to think that there's... He's got more secrets besides his supposed time travel. Uh, She becomes convinced that he's having... There's this another woman in his life in some way or another. Um... Her therapist starts warning her that she's just enabling him in his delusions, and possibly darker secrets start to come to the surface. I I don't really want to talk too much more about what happens, because then you start getting into the hardcore spoilers, and since this isn't a full-fledged call-and-response episode... I'm willing to kind of yeah. dance around some spoilers for Happy
0: Accidents. I think it was a good call. Because it's a good movie, and I feel like people should seek it out. Um, did he
1: write it, too, Anderson? I think so. I think he did. Putting you on the spot here. And I like this movie, too, uh, because it's, it harkens back... I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio, in the first 15 years or so of his career, I, I really liked him. I still really like him when I see him, but that Law & Order show that he's on is not very good and I can't really watch it very much
0: <laughs> yeah and in fact I don't even know if it's still
1: like in production but oh you know, I don't they think rerun so. those things forever so. I, I think it's I yeah. think it's been cancelled but it's you know forever on I know he had 80. a real interesting indie sort of beginning
0: to his career and then he just kind of petered out on the TV I don't know maybe he'll have a maybe he'll be rediscovered by some talented director yeah I mean he's really good well that's that's interesting choice that you had for your response there um, I like how you said that you went with sort of the. Most obvious, easiest response that you could possible, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the easiest response would be to just say something like one of the other X Men movies. Just like uh, <laughs> my response is uh, X Men Two. It's would be a good double feature. Go watch them both. <laughs> but uh, I actually had uh, similar thoughts for my response because I hadn't seen the movie, but I sort of, you know, I read the, the synopsis and stuff, and and I pretty much know what happened I was thinking time travel as well. And uh, what I think is the greatest time travel movie, I'll just go ahead and call it the greatest time travel movie ever made, is a um, somewhat recent film
1: by an indie filmmaker named Shane Carruth, and it's a film called Primer. Have you seen this film? You know, it's its interesting. I have not seen this film since it originally came out back in when oh, it was. Interesting. And I have to admit, um, seen... I, I did not care for it all that much back then. Really? Yeah. But I have, like I said, I haven't well, seen it since then. So I've always, it's one that I've been meaning to go back and check out.
0: Well, we, you know, we don't do three often, but I think uh, our relationship will survive. But uh, for those of you who don't know about this movie, is a movie that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival won a Grand Jury Prize there that year. Ultra low budget filmmaking. The filmmaker said he made it for about the price of a, of a used car, so just you know a handful of thousands of dollars. Um, he also stars, edits does the score, um, pretty much everything on the movie himself, Shane Carruth does, and it's a story of two young engineers who are sort of tinkering about in their garage and sort of accidentally stumble upon uh, a way to travel in time and begin to experiment with it. Well, we need a box big enough for a person to fit into, right? As far as turning it on, you Actually, have to... when I was
1: testing the box, it turns out that over half the rings are redundant. The inner ring's strong enough on its own. So it actually makes the place smaller. No, and there's, and there's a lot more that's unnecessary. Look, what we can do is take a lot of these small plates and surround a container with a web in them. How small? Well, I mean, it should be accumulative, so a lot of mini-fields into like go one big one, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, I'm serious. That
0: makes sense. What I was gonna say, though, is we need to find some place where we can put it and turn it on, and it won't be disturbed. I mean, some place can just lock it in the closet? No, safer than a closet, some place where someone's not going to go poking around and messing with And climate control. Yeah, yeah, so whatever, we'll find some place. But I mean, so if we go your route with what, a bunch of mini-fields, that's a lot of work. I mean, we'd have to, I mean, how many days is that? Hey, you know what we could use? You know what we could use? Look,
1: I, I know, I know... We've seen a lot of crazy things lately, okay? And I know you're still trying to put it all together in a way that makes probably sense you. Guys. No, no, I don't. Look, I just want you to understand that what's next is not a prank, okay? I wouldn't do that to you, and I'm not doing that to you. So when you see this, we can't think... yell or make any noise or run anywhere, okay? I know, I know you probably feel like you're being tricked or made fun of, but you're not, okay? I promise you, you're not, Okay?
0: and things quickly spiral out of control. I, I think the reason why I like it so much is that it's got such a, I mean, not realistic, but sort of uh, a thoughtful approach to what time travel stories would be shaped like. Like, there's a scene where they are explaining the sort of protocol for how they're going to travel back in time, and what, and one of the steps is, okay, then we turn the machine on, and then we leave the premises and go home. And the guy he's explaining to is like, wait a minute, why do we leave and go home? And he's like, well, because the future of us is about to emerge from there. And we don't want to be around when our other selves are there. You know, we'll have uh, the story that's infinitely complex and uh, people travel back in time over and over, sort of overlapping their own timelines and storylines. And it becomes a little sort of difficult to unravel at the end but i think even if you don't even if the audience isn't necessarily able to uh, follow exactly everything that's going on in the story it's still very enjoyable i think it's still got great performances and great uh twists and turns and sort of fun little uh scenes and moments and uh Doug, I, I, I recommend you check it out again. It's it's kind of hard to find because the release was a little bit botched by the guys who picked it up out of Sundance. Um, and as a result, Shane Carruth has self-distributed his second film, Upstream Color, uh, which also I recommend, but doesn't involve time travel. But uh, but yeah. It involves Primers, lots, Primers lots of other crazy
1: things. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Upstream Color involves lots of other crazy things that will still twist your mind and yeah. not science fictional type things
0: but you know like I I feel like my favorite science fiction subgenre is time travel just in general because when you think about it like all art is a form of time travel you know you're trying to uh, go back into the mind of the author or the creator or that you have an artist who's trying to project himself into the future audience that he might one day influence or be appreciated by so that's why I really like time travel stories any potential filmmakers out there listening to this podcast who want to get my attention, make a story about time travel. But make it really, really good. <laughs> you
1: got to think it through. You got to so, think a lot of things. Uh, I think through. that's
0: about all the time I have for today. Actually, guys, I gotta go.
1: All right. Do you want You have a respon- You have a call film for next episode. I'll set to go. Right.
0: I'll give the audience
1: the uh, the tip. It's um, Jim Jarmusch's Down by Law
0: from nineteen eighty something, eighty three, something like that.
1: And does it say on the DVD? I've already been to the video store. I'm cracking open the DVD right here. 86 is the copyright on the DVD. I was close. I was close. 1986. Available on Criterion. But not at um, Video you Tech you- cuz I have that copy. <laughs> <laughs> do you have your response picked out yet? Uh I don't yet. I have to I'm going I've seen okay. the film. I want to watch it again, but I I haven't really thought through what I'm going to respond with, so Stay tuned. All right. All right. I can't wait. Well, thanks, thanks for calling. for call, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for listening, thanks, everybody. Thanks, America, for watching Next, men We will be back next week with a full-fledged episode of Call and Response. Talk to you later. See you then. Bye.